Hi there, my name's Jane Anderson and this is the Jane Anderson Brand You Show. It's the podcast for experts who want to have greater impact, influence and income for their businesses and careers. As experts, we know that people buy from people and work with people who they know, who they like and who they trust. So I'm so glad you're here because it's that time again now to really amplify how you show up in the world. Hi there and welcome to the Jane Anderson Show. I am so thrilled that you are joining us today. We have a very special guest, which I'll be introducing shortly. Uh, But today we're talking all about how to uh, build your consulting practice, particularly for women in consulting and working with large organisations, which is where we spend most of our time, Um, whether I'm sharing my insights or interviewing people, particularly women who are doing this amazing work, um, or people who particularly understand our world and uh, and how we apply it in our work. Um, some of the things that are, we're working on at the moment, I'm doing, seeing a lot of things happening, particularly there's a lot of conversation, particularly around the quiet quitting. You've probably seen a bit of that in the media. I'm working with quite a few uh, future of work experts and leadership experts, lots of conversations around engagement, retention, and this shift from the great resignation to this great retention. So lots of conversation around that. Um, uh, quite quitting, which is essentially around disengagement and how people are working from home. Lots of interesting data that's coming out around um, uh, amount of work that people are getting done, trust, um, how we're trying to get people back into the office, organisations that are doing that well versus organisations who are struggling, how we get the balance right and how um, it's an employee's kind of market at the moment. It will be interesting to see how that evolves and changes as we go into some pretty tough economic times over the next uh, year, I guess. Um, We've got changes in things like uh, massive inflation. We've got changes in um, interest rates, housing market going through a lot of change. So we're still in fairly diabolical kind of times. Um, And so what I'm noticing is it really emphasises the point around relationships. It really emphasizes the importance of staying connected with your customers and clients, um, continuing to build those relationships, build new ones, um, because there's still organizations that are doing very well. There's conferences that are starting to come back. Um, So we're definitely seeing those sorts of things. What we are seeing is that uh, it's often fairly short lead times because of the uncertainty and things that are happening. Uh, We've also got issues going on with um, uh, possible strikes coming up with um, flights, uh, things like that. Uh, really expensive last minute, you know, flights and accommodation and those types of things that can sometimes be hindering getting people together, um, be, and particularly because of staff shortages in hospitality and event management. Um, so it's still really challenging times. We're seeing the research is still telling us around hybrid events and virtual events. Don't think that's uh, changing too much, but we do know people still really want to get together. So there's lots still happening. On that note, I am running uh, an Ignite program. It's a one-day workshop. I'm doing one in Melbourne and in Brisbane uh, in October and November. Uh, so jump on the website. You'll see them on the events page there. If you need some help with strategizing for next year, year if you're thinking about okay I need to put my goals together and set my plan up for the next 12 months uh, please come along I'd love to for you to come along and join us and uh, to be able to really set yourself up for success for the next 12 months on that note and speaking about strategy today I'm going to uh, introduce a very special guest 
with us today. Uh, so this guest today, her name is Dr. Monique Beadles. She is an internationally recognized thought leader and best-selling author in the areas of strategy, leadership, and asset management. She has a PhD in strategy and a master's of finance. Uh, Monique has had more than 20 years of board experience and spent the last couple of decades working with boards and senior executives to nurture the growth of their enterprises. Um, Monique is passionate about helping leaders to identify and embrace their own true worth so that they can do their best work and make a real difference. I look forward to your thoughts, insights and reflections. Please reach out to me. I'd love to hear your insights and learnings from the interview today with Monique. Hi there, Monique. I am so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for coming along. I know you are one very, very busy woman. So um, thank you for, for joining us. It's yeah, so great so to much, have you. Thanks so much, Jane, for inviting me along. I'm really excited to be here and I'm looking forward to our chat. <laughs> so Monique and I go back a few years we met back in Thought Leaders Business School a few years ago and Monique I think back and we're both Brisbane ladies so it's really yes. nice to connect with a local we've done a, a few um, content creation sessions or thought pink sheet sessions together and different things like that so for those who are familiar with some of that work we have lots of listeners who are in that world um, so Monique um, tell us, I'd love for you to share a, a bit about your practice, your journey, because most of the ladies who are listening to this podcast are women who have either started having consulting practices or left corporate and started their consulting practices and selling to organisations. So it's always lovely to hear your version of, of that yeah. and how you sort of ended up where you are now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, look, I've been in my practice for nearly 20 years now. So uh, I've been doing this for a long time, but certainly it's evolved quite a bit over that time period, um, as you would expect. Um, yes. When I started out, I was in my late 20s and I was single with no kids and no mortgage. So I guess it was the perfect time to give it a go and to think, well, you know, I had quit my job and decided that I was going to um, start doing my own thing. And um, I basically never looked back. I've never found a job that would take me away from what I'm doing now. So yeah. um, yeah, <laughs> I think we can really relate. Yeah, that's been great. I, um, I had the uh, a PhD in strategy, that's my background. And I had gone yes. up to my first board um, just before I finished my PhD. So I was right. 25. Um, and yeah. I guess because my background was strategy, I always felt that, well, that's the board's role. So I would yes. like to combine my own board positions with um, then advising boards and senior leaders um, in that uh -huh. consulting capacity. So that's really sort of where I started or why I started doing this. And, um, mm -hmm. and I decided right from the beginning that I didn't want to work for any of the big consulting firms, um, that I wanted mm. to do my own thing. Um, so that's what I've always done. Um, and, you know, mostly work with the, the board, the CEO, the executive teams on their strategy. Asset management is a is a big part of that yes. in the types of companies that I typically work with. They're generally like big, heavy industrial companies that have a lot of infrastructure or physical assets. Um, so I help them around that and also uh, their leadership development. And you've had an incredible career. That's phenomenal. To start all that in your 20s 
Eve had, you know, so many years experience, you know, if you reflect back on all that time and you come to today and this, the, how your practice has evolved a lot, what have been the biggest challenges that you've had in your practice being able to get it to this point in 20 years is a long time what what do you reckon has been the secret of your success um well look I think the challenges I've had are probably the typical life challenges that most people have um obviously being that I started this back in my 20s and as I say I was single then I I didn't have kids or a mortgage I was traveling a lot and uh, so some of those challenges then come you know once you have a partner and you need to decide together what what you're going to do how you're going to prioritize where you're mm -hmm. going to live um, and then of course you know being pregnant and having a, a baby um, was like a massive physical and emotional challenge um, and I was nearly 40 uh, when I when I did that so you know you're already getting to the time when your body's starting to say well I don't know is this really a good idea uh, but you know obviously that's a really joyous thing as well um, but it certainly yeah. changes your priorities and the way you need to organize your life uh, so that you can you know raise your family and still uh, do the work you're doing um, at this level. So that's that's certainly been one of the wow. most challenging things. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible because I think for a lot of the ladies that you know we see, they often um, have sort of come past that time. But that's really interesting that you actually did it. You know, they start their consulting practice once they've kind of got those things. You know, yeah. that they've had children or. Um, you know, they wait till they're a little bit older, so like they're sort of at least at school and then thinking about doing it. But you, I've you've done, done everything it all. back to front. <laughs> started wow. my consulting first, you know, went onto a board first, then started. The, like a lot wow. of people, when I now work with boards, a lot of people see it as a retirement job, you know, or I'll do that when yeah. I sort of finish my executive career. But being that I started it so young, it's just always been integral to what I do. And um, yeah, then like you say, I mean, I find now obviously at school and in other places, I'm really old compared to a lot of the other parents who have kids the same age. So my daughter's now nine. So she's still in primary okay. school. Um, and I've still got maybe 10 years or more to go. And uh, a lot of my friends, their kids are already at uni and leaving home, you know. So, um, yeah, so definitely I've maybe done things back to front there. But, you know, Amazing. that's how life goes, isn't it? You, you never know how. Yeah. 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 And I, I also think it's really inspiring, Monique, because I think, to, you know, for some that choose this path that they think sometimes, well, maybe I can't do that as well. Like I actually have to, it's kind of either or, but you're a real inspiration in sort of how you've chosen to to do it your way and what's been right for you so um you know it really is it's it's still possible um yeah absolutely it's so, possible whatever you choose to amazing. do yeah yeah amazing and I think you know for a lot of us isn't it that's why we went into this this world for a life of choice and freedom um control and, and I mean like control over our own purpose destiny our life how we how we operate what our outcomes are and and um and you know the life that we want to live mm. um in terms of your practices is you've come from asset management and working with boards still continuing to work with CEOs boards executives and you're now sort of going into a new phase of your IP is that right I'm really excited to um, learn more about this so I think it's fascinating are you happy yeah. to share a bit about it 
Yeah, look, I'd love to. Um, yeah, as you know, I've recently um, launched my True Worth Discovery program and a True Worth community. Yes. Um, and it's for people, you know, because I guess in my experience, what I've found, even at that very senior level, is that I've worked with so many people who are very talented, they're ambitious, they're really good at what they do, but they feel that they really are often in a situation where they're undervalued, they're underestimated, or they're even being undermined um, in the position they're in. So then they start to come across barriers where they feel like they, they can't, you know, get to the level they think that they could get to based on their skills and their experience. So maybe it's that they didn't get the promotion they were thinking they should, they didn't get the pay rise, you know, they didn't get a job they were going for, all of those sorts of things where, yeah, they're really just in a situation where there's this mismatch between what they know they're capable of and uh, what they've, you know, achieving at this stage. Um, so what the program does is really help them to work through some of those things. I think, you know, in my experience, it's best that we need to um, embrace our own true worth before others can see it. Uh, and so the aim is then to help people go from feeling undervalued and underestimated um, to feeling respected, valued and seen. Um, and look, it's just been fantastic so far to see the progress people have made in the first um, program that I've run and uh, the decisions some of them have made, including going for that job that they never thought they might have been able to do and, and getting it and, you know, <laughs> moving on to something really new. Like, it's really exciting um, for me to see that um, and to see people making these decisions once they do. Uh, it's quite often something that they've always wanted or that they've been push, putting it on hold or they have thought, you know, can I really do this or not? Yes. Um, and just working through this has helped them to, to take that step. So, I mean, I think that's just fantastic from my my point of view um yeah uh, yeah yeah and what is incredible about this is you know it's leveraging the expertise that you've come from with around strategy and asset management and and moving that over into a human sense of well we all have you know that worth we all have that value it's defining what those aspects are I'm imagining there's you know the work that you've been doing in asset management is almost like the metaphor for us as a human is finding, you know, there's similar, a lot of the principles kind of similar that you've applied and there's maybe some others or what is, what's yeah, different? Yeah, look, that's partly how I sort of ended up in this space is because oh. in fact of the, the reason is that we can't treat people the same way we treat physical assets. Right. And what I've seen a lot working in this space is that, you know, when you're putting together organisational systems and structures, quite often they're very hierarchical, they're very mechanised, they're very much trying to fit people who are real living human beings beings into mm. a system that's really designed for machines and things and you know and I, so I think there's this real disconnect um, especially at the moment where you know we've got this very low unemployment we've got tight economic um, you know environment and uh, a lot of companies are struggling to get people and to keep good mm. people and I think it's really fundamental that if people don't feel valued or they don't feel they're being given the opportunities they deserve, then they'll yeah. go elsewhere. I mean, it's yeah. really, you know, fundamental. So I, I'm really passionate about the fact that people are not assets. Yes. Um, and we, you know, we hear it so often, uh, oh, our people are our greatest asset. Um, and that might yeah, sound good, but 
yeah, the reality is if you if you think that you can treat people the same way that you treat, uh, you know, your land and your buildings and your other equipment, um, then you're not going to um, do very well there. So, uh, so that's where this has emerged from. Uh, it's from what I've observed in that environment, particularly. Yes in an asset management perspective. And in terms of developing our leadership skills, um, and in my most recent book, Leadership Assets, I, I talk about that, that yeah, we have our technical skills, particularly a lot of the areas I work with, people in engineering or, or technical fields. Um, mm. We've got those, those technical skills. When we start to get into sort of higher level roles, we need to develop our business skills, but mm. most importantly, to be an effective leader, we need to develop our human capabilities. Yes. Um, and that we've got to be able to engage with people. We need to have empathy and humility and integrity. Yes. Um, and that those are some of the things that are, are lacking sometimes in our formal training. Um, yes. But they're really important and they can be the difference between whether you will get to that next level or not. Um, yes. Yeah. So that's where this has all emerged from. And I suppose I feel like it brings together all of my skills and experience with my technical background, my, my uh, strategy and asset management. And, and this is really about a strategy for your life. So yeah. I mean, yes, it is applying a whole lot of the same principles in terms of, well, where are you now? What do you have? What are your capabilities? What, right. what's, your, what's your dream? What's your vision? And where do you want to go? And then yeah. making a plan for how you get there. So, I mean, right. yes, we can apply some of those same concepts that we might use for a big organisation um, to our own careers. So, yeah. yeah. I love that because, you you know, it, and this is, you know, one of the things we often talk about is being able to, uh, why you're the right person to have this message because, and in your case, and we see it sometimes, is that because you're actually telling the opposite message in some ways to what you have had. So you're perfectly positioned and, and a credible source to say that because you know the polar opposite of it. Yeah. And so it's almost like a contrast frame in your own practice and positioning to say, well, yes, I'm asset management. However, the other side of it is that you can't treat everybody like an asset. Yes. And I love the balance of that, mm. um, Monique. And mm. it just, um, in terms of, as, I mean, you're an incredible inspiration for the women who are listening to this podcast or watching the video today. Um, in terms of what you see, I mean, you've seen, I'm sure, like for your own practice and building your own practice and seeing other women that you know who are trying to build their practices, this is a big challenge that we have yeah. around being able to define, you know, identifying our really powerful positioning, um, making sure that we, uh, you know, that we're not putting ourselves into a commoditized situation yes. so that we're able to really articulate our value really strong value propositions in the programs that we deliver um, and the, the solutions that we bring to the table and how we can help people and defining our uniqueness and what makes us different than everybody else. What do you see when you're, you know, you're obviously friends with a lot of people with consulting practices and things like that. What are the things that you see, you know, when it comes to true worth and particularly women in consulting if you are there things that you notice and that you see or perhaps you know that you've had yourself or challenges you've had yourself yeah um look I think one of the things that I might do differently if I if I went back uh, over those 20 years is that I started out with um of course a company name and 
and a company brand and I spent a lot of money on, you know, branding and uh, all of that for my company. Um, but in fact, I never had the intent to build a big consulting practice. That was not ever my goal uh, because I figured that if I want to have 100 people working for me, I'd just become a manager and then I may as well go and work in one of the big four or, you know, one of those uh, larger consulting companies and have, you know, the backing of, of their brand and, and all of those resources. So that was never my intent, but yet I think we're kind of, um, the common thing is that you, you start a company and really operate that as a business. So I think one of the big shifts for, for me, even though the company still exists and it's still the legal you know, vehicle through which I do my work, but my branding and positioning is now all under my own name. Um, so that required a bit of a transition and a, and a um, you know, a rebranding and so on. Um, and look, it's still sometimes a bit tricky because particularly when you're dealing with corporate clients and government and so on. Um, and I do find internationally too, when I deal with people yeah. in the US or Europe, um, they always want to know what, what company you're with. And, you know, there's sort of this um, attachment to another organisation, like your worth somehow depends on who you work for. Um, but I've always seen it the other way around. I said, well, I bring value to some other organisation if I attach my name to theirs. Uh, so I don't want to be in a situation where that the other company gives me my credibility. I want yeah. my, you know, my credibility to improve theirs. So, um, yeah, so I think that's one of the things which, which can be hard and it's perhaps a little bit contrary to the accepted wisdom that we might get told in any sort of business advice. Um, so if you don't intend to build a big company, then I would say, you know, go with your own personal branding from the start. Um, yes. And then, then you don't have to make that change along the way. So yes, oh, that's such valuable advice, because it's, you know, you try to sort of, the thing that makes you different is you delivering these programs yeah? yeah so and the solutions that you bring the relationships that you've got all that sort of thing um and humanizing that and businesses you know if you're speaking at conferences they're not going to engage a business to speak at a conference no. but i think you touch on a really good point we do have some in the community who um you know sometimes hit this challenge they'll, they'll see uh, things like government contracts um, uh, tenders or um, other things might be um, grants that are yes. out and they're looking for. You know, so, so um, what what do you um, advise them to do? Do you find that do you find that they're best to say attach to a company or still have a company name? You know, and and a company that it, they pull out for those situations. Yeah, or? yeah. Like, I mean, I still have that, and I mean, it, it all depends how you choose to arrange your own personal finances. But I've had a proprietary limited company since almost the beginning mm. um, so I mean if you're going to do that then you can still have that but it can be your name proprietary limited you know if you're just starting out uh, yes. I, I didn't do that because in the beginning I you know I wanted to um, make it more broad and not necessarily be attached to my own name but there's nothing wrong with doing that like I could be on Eat Beatles proprietary limited and that'd be fine yeah. um, so yeah. so yes still set up the company if that's the best thing for you to do in yeah. terms of you know um, your financial situation um, yeah. but that's obviously up to everyone's own you know scenario <laughs> not, not to be construed no. as financial advice. <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's what you still need to use, like in terms of invoicing yes. and contracts and all of that sort of thing. Um, yes. The company will be what is on those documents. But uh, yes. but in terms of your marketing, your positioning, and your sales, yes. um, then using your own your own brand. So um, I mean, you know, and plenty of companies do that. You. Your, your legal name isn't necessarily a trading name. So no. um, those things can be, can be you know, changed. Right. Yeah. right. And what other things do you think, if so that they've built their brand, you know, branded under their name.com, um, what are some of the other things you notice that work really well once they've done that, that help to continue to build that true worth in their consulting practice? Um, I think like it's important to build relationships in the sectors that you want to work in. Wow. Um, so, you know, deciding where your target markets are and um, looking at, well, where is it that you can offer value that perhaps mm -hmm. some of the other bigger competitors don't? Um, yeah. And to look at how you differentiate your offering from yeah. what, you know, a large corporate or government can get from their you know, standard run-of-the-mill consulting firm. So I think that's knowing your niche yes. and then building your um, positioning and your relationships in that niche. So, you know, right from the beginning, I've always, uh, you know, done as much speaking as I can, you know, written okay. articles, published books. Um, I've done that, you know, right from the beginning. Okay. Um, and, and again, that's evolved over time. But um, you know, and now I would get paid to speak rather than like in the beginning, you know, I would do that speaking for a promotional um, point of view, um, yes. you know, which I might still do in some scenarios. But uh, so that sort of evolves over time. But um, I think you can't, it's important that you can't be everything to everybody. So yes. you really need to know, especially if you're only one person, you can't expect to compete. Uh, you know, on the on the range of service offerings that a big consulting firm might have, what yeah. you have to do is to, um, you know, differentiate and have something that they don't have. Yeah. yeah, that's so true because, you know, that is one of the most common questions that most come to our community with is how on earth am I supposed to compete with the big consulting firms? How am I supposed to sell, you know, if a consulting rate is, you know, if they're going in with, you know, like if your contractor is $800 to $1,000 days and then if, you know, they're going to charge less than me and I'm coming in at 5000 if I'm trying to build to 10 some we've got $20,000 days, um, you know, if we can get that shift from seven and a half, you know, if the value proposition and the and not, and being able to define that true worth really yeah. takes into some of those yeah. days. Um, so I think that's so valuable and I love what you're saying about, you know, really, if you, so you're saying really as a starting point is don't be afraid to be yourself and your own yes. brand. Then secondly is build the relationships and the relationships will um, help define and be known in that yes. industry. Yeah. And yeah. your niche, yeah. and then how you differentiate your offerings from there. So yeah. you know, differentiating if you're, particularly if you're in spaces like leadership development, you know, that's one of the challenges often we'll say, well, you know, that some will come and go, well, how am I supposed to differentiate myself against every other leadership expert? Yes. Yes. Um, so yeah. defining the offerings, knowing the specific niche, so who you work with and um, the positioning and the relationships, yeah? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, and I've done that in the sense of starting out with a PhD in strategy, which could, could you know, be used in any sort of business context. But yes. being based in Brisbane and when I started out, my initial um, consulting projects were all with, in the mining industry. Um, yes. So, you know, obviously because that's a big part of the um, economy here. Uh, yes. And so that got me involved in, in um, asset management as a really important part of the strategy in those companies. Right. Um, and so then over time, that's what I, you know, started to get known for. And of course, then I went to the effort of, you know, um, educating myself in that space, getting involved with the professional bodies, doing additional training, all of that sort of thing, um, right. so that I could, you know, um, establish a niche in that area and take right. my strategy and my board experience and bring that to the asset management, uh, because a lot of people in that um, field, they're coming from a background in engineering or a trade, sometimes accounting, uh, and I'm so they're coming from the technical level up, whereas yes. I'm approaching it from the other direction, um, yes. saying, well, what does the board and the executive need to know from a strategic perspective and how do we connect that to what's happening at the technical level? Um, right. So then I, I'm offering something which is um, complementary to yeah. what others in that space um, are already doing rather than trying to duplicate what right. was already being offered. Um, yeah. And Monique, when, which then brings me to a question I'm thinking is around um, you know, when you're tapping into some of those specific niches and specific industries, um, particularly if you're going with a, we're going message and we're going across a variety of industries, one of the things that sometimes people, particularly women, will come up against in that we've seen in our community the question is around the imposter syndrome and then starting, well, actually, I, I haven't spent years in this specific niche or I haven't, you know, but I understand the niche, but, you know, how, what advice do you have when you're working with, with women, particularly in the consulting space, mm -hmm. with, this, with this imposter syndrome sometimes? What advice do you give to women in, in this? In yeah, this, look, I think, I think the trouble is that women get a lot of really poor advice around this. I, I'm not that convinced about imposter syndrome. Um, I think women are always told that they lack confidence, yes. um, but I don't think that's really true in the sense right. that we, we know our own ability, but right. what happens is we are underestimated, we are undervalued and we are undermined. So the more right. that we get told that we lack confidence, the more that we lack confidence. Right. You know? um, and so I think that actually what it takes is for us to, you know, acknowledge those capabilities within ourselves. I mean, right. what we see is, particularly in Australia, is most women are vastly overqualified for the work they yes. do. They are, they are far, you know, they have far higher achievement at school and undergraduate and postgraduate um, at every academic level, but yet that's not reflected in what we see in corporate and government leadership and right. so there's this gap there and I think um, it's too easy to sort of go oh well it must be me but yeah. generally it's not there's all these other factors that are at play that are sort of cutting off those opportunities so so I mean I think for me part of you know the work that I'm doing and what I want to be able to help people with is to say you know embrace your own um, uh, you know understand what your 
capabilities are and celebrate them. Understand yeah. what's unique to you. So what's your creativity and how do you create something that's different to others? Um, yeah. Because the things you know and the things you do, they can be replaced and they're interchangeable, whereas yeah. the things that you create, they're unique and others can't do it. The other, right. the other thing that's a challenge in this space is not just to worry about being replaced by other people, but in a lot of sectors now, we've got AI, we've got robotics coming along and um, you know a lot of jobs or a lot of tasks will be replaced by automation yes. um, but that's because they're tasks that can be repeated yes. and um, can be automated whereas those things that require our unique human creativity and insight and, and innovative thinking yes. they can't be replaced by a computer or a robot um, yes. so you know part of the work that I do with people is to identify those things things to say well what makes me irreplaceable right. uh, what what makes me um, you know stand out and therefore you know how do I leverage that yes. um, yeah so so I think we shouldn't buy this story that we because um, I think when you really talk to people they they know that they have skills and capability but um, they just can be so often overlooked which I think is really sad and it also means that uh, from you know from an economic perspective where we're missing out on uh, tapping into so much talent that's sitting right under our noses right. we say we have a talent shortage but I mean to some extent that's true but I think you know there's a lot of companies where in fact if they made the most of the people they already have have yes. by, by letting them work to their full capability, um, they would see that they've got a lot more than they realise. Right. And just giving the opportunity to, to actually unpack their true work, yeah. reading some yeah. of the testimonials on your website. And that's what they're often saying is that I, I can I now feel like I can achieve my potential. I feel like I can support, yeah. um, you know, creating an environment where I can do that for my team now as yep. well. So, and I think you're yeah. so right, is that the skills, like you said, you know, whether it's a skills shortage or not, there's there's so much untapped potential sitting yeah. there. And if they're not getting that, then they do look elsewhere because we all want to, at the end of the day, if I feel like I'm growing and achieving my potential, the organisation will be able to retain me. Yeah, for sure, um, yeah. So, Monique, if people want to find out more about True Worth and you said you've got a community and yep. a, a program and you're blogging a lot about this and yep. talking a lot about it at the moment, if people want to find out more about it, where would they be best to go? Uh, yeah, sure. They can go to my website, moniquebeetles.com. They'll find mm -hmm. out about everything there. Uh, my True Worth community, which you can join for free uh, to be part of the conversation, that's at trueworth.mn. Co. Um, of course, you can uh, connect with me on LinkedIn or Instagram, uh, and you can find me um, in all of those places. Yeah. That's terrific. Thank you so much for joining us today, Monique. You're doing incredible work. I'm always in awe of everything you do. I'm so thrilled we're able to have you on the show. I think big takeaways today, you know, you I think, and you come with so much experience. I think there's a lot of women listening today who go, wow, 20 years experience having your own consulting practice and still coming back to don't be afraid of using your own name. You can still have a business name if you need to, for if you've got certain other projects or um, things you need to pitch for, but stand in your own light. You said being able to, uh, you talked about um, how you how you can stand out. You talked um, particularly around those skills that we bring, particularly as female consultants and our true worth. You know, often it is 
the empathy and the humility and those things that are, are sometimes lacking, but they're skills that we've often got, particularly as women, and the ability to build relationships, knowing your niche, positioning uh, and differentiating those, those offerings. Love your comments around, um, to recap, just on creativity, you know, continuing to define, the, because like you said, the tasks, if someone, they can be delegated and automated, but we can't replace your creativity and being able to define that uniqueness. So um, you're doing some in, uh, an, some exceptional work in this space, Monique. We'll be cheering you on from afar and hopefully you remember us all when you're famous. Yeah. You're already famous. Um, and, um, yeah, so jump onto Monique's uh, website. Go and join the True Worth community. Listen to what Monique is saying. She's got so much expertise in this space and um, and one to really follow. You're a true inspiration to our community. Monique, we're so thrilled to have you on today. Um, Thanks so, so much, Jane. It's a pleasure to be here and fantastic to have the chance to um, chat with you about those things that I'm really passionate about. So thank you very much for the opportunity. My pleasure. Great. Hopefully we'll get to have you back again. Fantastic. Thank you. <laughs>